Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. You have pressed play on episode 438. Last week we talked to Steve Gelbs. Loved that episode. The feedback from it has been remarkable. Things on the podcast are going well. This week we are talking to someone that I should have had on a long time ago. I first met Sam Adams when he was a sports reporter for the Rocky Mountain News when I was a reporter broadcaster for The Fan in Denver, Colorado. I covered many things with Sam, including that uh, Denver Broncos season that turned into Super Bowl 32 victory, the first Broncos championship. And over the years, we kept in touch. And to be perfectly honest, social media has helped with that. I'm going to let him tell this fascinating story, but here's the highlight. He was a sports journalist who, through the encouragement of a friend, tried his hand at something that I think is the hardest thing in the world, stand-up comedy. I have... Nothing but respect for any stand-up comedian. It is so hard. To me, it's harder than singing in public. It's definitely harder than just speaking in public. And I followed it, you know, through Facebook and Twitter and things like that. In 2009, the Rocky Mountain News, a great newspaper, folded. And since then, Sam had done some radio. He's done some TV and recently decided he was leaving the sports journalism industry to pursue stand-up comedy full-time. there was ever a reason to have somebody on Sports with Friends, this is it. So we'll talk to Sam in just a moment. It is also the divisional round in the NFL playoffs, and we'll preview all four games with the head odds maker at BovadaSportsBook.com, Patrick Morrow. Sam, I've always known you as one of the hardest-working men in show business. Um, I would think that recently announcing that you're not covering sports anymore and just going to focus on the comedy, I would imagine is a bit of a congratulations. But if I think you're slowing down, I really can tend to doubt it. Well, you know, first of all, is is this good to see you, man? I mean, yeah, it's been a I, long I've time. Seen you on podcast episodes. Yes. Uh, we haven't seen each other person in a long, long time. And we go way back. 20, so, 20 plus years when I lived yeah, in Denver. So, yeah. to, so to, to be your guest is uh is an honor for me, man. And uh you know, here's what here's what a lot of people, and especially locally, which surprises me here in the Denver area, what they don't really get. Uh like I go back to being a part of Denver sports media back to the mid-80s when I started doing high school sports for the Denver Post. Wow. And things just, you know, one thing that was a part-time gig. You know, my my day gig, I was a clerk at an insurance company. Uh and uh but but I started to get that itch over time and, and it's like like I, I believe I should be a full time writer. I you know, we had two newspapers at the time. So uh I started great with newspapers what the guys were writing at the post and uh what the guys were writing at the Rocky, mm -hmm. uh seeing how they did it, you know, uh not to steal their styles. But just, you know, what makes them full-time writers? What do I have to do to get to that level? And eventually I got there. Uh, a few years later, Woody Page <laughs> gave me sure. my full, first full-time job. And then I was in this from there. It wasn't until The Rocky closed in 2009 yep. that I started doing comedy full-time. But I had been doing comedy on the side for about seven or eight years at that point. I was never going to quit the day job as a reporter to become a comedian, but I was getting better at it. Yeah. But then when the Rocky closed, that was, you know, how people say, um, uh, uh, you know, the doors open for you and this and that, that, that Rocky closure was my opportunity to go in that door and well, see what happened with comedy. And if it didn't work out immediately, I was going to go to plan B, which was to move back to my hometown, Cleveland, and live with my mom and that was the scare that would that would be like dorothy waking up after the bump right. on the head. back in black and white <laughs> yeah and everybody's like oh poor guy he bumped his head thought he was in denver in paradise and you know that type of thing and uh but uh things worked out in comedy and, uh, and i've been doing it ever since now even though i've been doing comedy full time people were still you know cbs4 for about five or six years i did a broncos uh pre not a pre-game but like on a friday i would uh, right. and i would see stuff down. like that on social media yeah and then on monday i'd you know break the game down and then nine news the nbc affiliate just the past 10 years had me do the game day live show on sundays 
So really, Seth, I was doing comedy up until I announced this retirement. I was doing comedy like 93% of the time. But that one show prevented me from like doing comedy out of town on a Saturday night. And if you, you know, the comedy game, man, like I can't book a comedy club out of town because right. I gotta, gotta hustle. Right. I gotta get back to Denver on Sunday. And, and that's not easy catching flights, especially now these days, even, <laughs> even if there is a direct flight, it may not leave when it's supposed to. So I, yeah. the only way that I <laughs> don't, can, I know it. <laughs> yeah. 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 You just, <laughs> so the only way for me to, to, uh, uh, to, to have my Saturday nights, was to let this go. And it's been a long run, man. Thirty-seven years. That's that's a that's a nice. No, run. It's, it's it's amazing. You 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 put a lot out on the table, and you know this isn't a roast, so we don't have to go in chronological order. Um, let's talk about two thousand nine. The Rocky Mountain News is a juggernaut of a newspaper, uh, in its day, and the Rocky Mountain News closing. I want to give you my perspective and then I want to ask you how old you were at that point, because that's a key decider for a lot of reporters who are seeing newspapers do what happened to the Rocky Mountain News. My point being, there were all these rumblings that this this Internet was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and web startups and, and startup companies were, were taking over and that newspapers as they were existing were going to cease and you said yeah but that'll happen in small towns and the two that registered with me that really made it seem like the print journalism was under siege were the rocky mountain news and the seattle post intelligencer uh two juggernauts of newspapers that simply don't exist anymore so how old were you at that point and at that point are you considering well, I had a run. I, I I had a career. Did you think your career as a sports reporter was over? Um, well, first of all, you got to remember in 2000, maybe early 2001, the, the Rocky Mountain News and the Denver Post entered into a joint operating agreement. I remember that. I had already left Denver, but I remember that. JOA, and we, we actually were in the same building up until the time that the, the paper closed, we ended up working in the same building. There was a new building uh, that uh, we both uh, moved into. You have different um, hallways, like the Rocky Mountain News hallway. Different floors, you get on Guys. the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> come back out. Like, we're, we're, we're not allowed to congregate. What happened to Woody Page? Yeah, I got him, I got him. You know, it's just, you know we gotta take somebody out. Uh, but, the parking uh, lot was all divided. We, we knew. At, to be honest with you, we knew at the time of that announcement that within 10 years, one of the two newspapers wasn't going to be around. And as you got into the mid 2000s, it just kind of felt like Scripps was going to to bail. And then, then they did in 2009. They did. Now, I'm 49 years old at that time. Right. So you have a healthy time left of your working life like the word yeah. retirement's not in your vocabulary at that point no and that's no. a major I still, difference i still i can tell you on the day that they, and this is how i went down man they they called us to the center of the newsroom and said um uh tomorrow is the last day that, that, that the rocky mountain news will exist and oh by the way can you guys put out a paper you know <laughs> put out that final edition Crazy. you see the final edition and you think we have been what it was is we had stored stuff up right. for that right. moment. But you would think, wow, like how did they put that out the next day? Well, that's like the eulogies. They When somebody yeah, dies yeah. and all of a sudden they have these ma masterful documentary style packages, it's because yeah. they've been getting the Betty White one ready for years. And we were getting ready to celebrate the paper's 150th anniversary. Mm. But we never made it to that date to be officially 150 years old. I mean, it was just a lot of, a lot of different things, man. Um, uh, I'll never forget because that night I had a comedy show up in the mountains. The, 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 the day that they announced and told us that the next day we had to be out of the building. Well, that day I had a, to go up to uh, Breckenridge 
and do a comedy show. Wow. Uh, I was opening for a guy named Kevin Fitzgerald, the uh, veterinarian. Uh-huh. And uh, and I'm 10 minutes into my set, Seth. And, and, and you know, this is a ski crowd. So these people are from all over and they're laughing and they're having a good time. They're, they're, they're hammered. They're hammered. That's what got me that I'm looking at these people and they're laughing. And out of nowhere, I go, I just lost my job. <laughs> and they think it's funny. They, they they don't know. They don't know that I'm a sports writer. And like they don't they don't know. And uh, and then I realized, dude, you are killing the room. Get back into it. <laughs> Get back. But it was starting to come out of me. Yeah, sure. That you know. Wow. And then and then you know. Uh, but but I had that comedy thing just in a back pocket. Again, I never thought I was going to quit my day job to become a comedian. But the day job quit me. Yeah. But I also had people in that newsroom that I had known for 13 years. I was at the Rocky for 13 years. There were people, as I'm looking at them, that had been there much longer than me. There were people who had families. I'm a single guy. I was a single guy at the time. Uh, uh, but their lives are about to change. The post took No, but if, they're, if you're 63 and that happens, if you're 63 yeah. walking into that room, you have a much different philosophy or reaction than you do at 49. Yeah, but I'm looking at some of those people that are in that age range. And I'm I'm looking at a couple of people like Jeff Legwall, who's covered the Broncos yep. forever. Uh, he was married to a reporter there at the news. And I'm looking at them because like they're all getting this this news simultaneously. We're all getting it simultaneously. And there's that point where even though the people from scripts are talking to us, you don't hear them because you're sure. starting to think what what now what now so um so it was a very sobering day but but for me um i i never i never knew if i was gonna try to write when the post didn't pick me my my biggest option was do i go to the plain dealer back in cleveland you know go, moving home was right like a safe thing to do sell the house in parker go home be with mom but again that to me would be like okay you you failed Right. And you had to go home, which wouldn't have been the case, but that's how it felt to me. But when we got a settlement, Seth, <laughs> oh, when they gave me I, settlement. Didn't, I didn't know that, that story. That settlement gave me six months to pass or fail as a comedian. Oh, with no pressure. No pressure. Paid off mortgage right. payments and just right. said, okay, if nothing else, at the end of the day, if I bomb at this bar, if I bomb at this club, I got some place to stay. <laughs> and as it turns out, I won a comedy contest, a national comedy contest, and that opened the door. More of our conversation with Sam Adams, sports reporter turned comedian. It's funny, right? Not funny is the NFL this week with divisional playoffs coming up and all the stuff from Super Wild Card Weekend. What are the futures odds on who's going to win the Super Bowl? Let's welcome in the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow. What has changed in terms of NFL futures? Who are the favorites to win it all? Seth, what we've seen so far is uh, the NFC really opened up for the San Francisco 49ers. We had already had them as the Super Bowl favorites heading into the wildcard weekend, but we've seen their odds uh, improve from 3-1 to one all the way to plus 175 right now. I would say uh, one of the bigger moves over the weekend was uh, not just the Packers, who improved from 75 down to 25-1, to one, but also the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who not just knocked off the Philadelphia Eagles, but did so in a way that, you know, really put a lot of eyes on the quality of their defense. They've also dropped from 100 to one down to 25 to one. Uh, rounding up the rest of the board, uh, we have the Ravens as the second largest favorite right now. They, of course, are your AFC one seed. They're sitting there at plus 275. The Bills, who uh, just a few weeks ago, Seth, were fighting for their playoffs live playoff lives pardon me they are now plus 450 the third largest favorite and obviously we'll be watching uh, that game against uh, the chiefs the following weekend chiefs you know big win uh they were favorites to start the year they're the fourth biggest favorites right now at seven to one texans rounded out at eight to one at bavada so now we have the divisional round let's start with saturday two games with rather high point spreads the baltimore ravens host the houston texans and then the nightcap the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Green Bay Packers. The Packers and Jordan Love 
have had an incredible second half of the season. And if you start with uh, what they did in that Thanksgiving game against the Lions, that's really where everything switched for them. And I think for betters, and certainly for myself, it took a couple weeks to uh, figure out if they were for real from that point or whether that was just a blip and what Jordan Love has been able to do, how comfortable he looks under center. You know, the, the Packers appear to have their guy out of nowhere, kind of in the same way that Aaron Rodgers ended up being their guy, despite how late he was drafted. So, uh, you know, if, the Pack, if you're the Packers, you have to be feeling pretty good about where your future's at. But boy, are you in for a tough one. Nobody is playing better and nobody is better positioned to win as healthy as they are now as the San Francisco 49ers. They are nine and a half point favorites. This is the largest spread of the weekend. The Ravens are eight and a half point favorites in their game, both over a touchdown. Looking at where the money's at, 49ers are far more popular on the point spread. The Texans are getting the majority of the money line bets right now at Bavada. And the best games seem to be on Sunday. The Detroit Lions, what a fun team to root for, taking on Baker Mayfield and those Tampa Bay Buccaneers followed by the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs in what should be cold, still snowy Highmark Stadium. Yeah, with Detroit, Seth, you have Dan Campbell, who uh, is probably not going to win Coach of the Year, but was uh, right there in the conversation up until Week 18. And on the other side of the, of the game, you have uh, Baker Mayfield, who's right there for Comeback Player of the Year because of uh, you know coming out of nowhere to lead this team to the playoffs. Wasn't even uh, a starter when signed by the team, had to compete for the role. And uh, look at the Bucks uh, playing, playing meaningful football and only six-point underdogs in this one with action pretty split. Over-under for that one sitting at 48.5. But looking at uh, the marquee game of the weekend, Seth, it's got to be the Chiefs and the Bills on Sunday night. Uh, this is a real, real tight one. Um, you know, weather looks okay so far, so we have a higher over-under at 45.5. But the spread is really, really tight, Seth. The Bills are currently two and a half point favorites right now, and they are minus 150 on the money line. Usually when we see a split like that, we see, uh, you know, the underdog money line being popular, but the favor on the point spread being more popular. We're seeing a similar split there now as it's about 50-50 combined between those two markets right now at the bottom. That's Patrick Morrow. Enjoy the games this weekend. Divisional round is always great matchups. Now back to our conversation with a comedian that's very funny, the great Sam Adams. All right, let's talk comedy. Just to put a little context into my questioning, uh, I did two minutes of stand-up opening for Mitch Hedberg at a ah. Seattle comedy club the, the owner of the club uh, in Seattle knew me and we were friendly and he had a death in the family. Mm. And it was like a brother or it was a sibling. It wasn't like a parent or something. It was an emergency. And he asked me with about 20, I think I had 36 hours to prepare two minutes. I had to do two minutes. This was never in my wheelhouse. This was not a, something I thought about. I've, I've been on radio. I've been on television. I've never considered this. It, it still to this day was the most scared I think I've ever felt. I worked <laughs> with Prince. I, that didn't scare me. This scared me. Two in minutes. House? Oh, it, it's Mitch Hedberg. That was Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, was At the good. height of his powers. Like it was, it was the scariest thing I'd ever done. So whenever I hear someone who is a stand-up, a, a buddy of mine does stand-up in LA and he's hustling, he's going all these gigs. And I just, the reverence that I have, I just want to tell that just to put perspective to the reverence I have for that art form. I think it's harder than singing. I think it's harder than playing in a band. It's the hardest thing because you have to not only have an act, you have to have material. You have to have the smarts to read the room, to mm -hmm. enhance your delivery. That is a skill set. I simply, I, I, I bow to anyone who can do it. And I've seen the YouTubes. I've seen the videos. The fact that you can even do it blows me away. Well, I was going to say, when I, I'm going to write down those things that when I figure it out, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me, let me, the, 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 the fear, look, my first time, I guess I can do a shameless plug for comedy works here in Denver. 
that's where we, you know, that's where I started. And it was two minutes. Uh, this was uh, 2001. So the Avalanche are on their way to, to the win. second cup. They beat my beloved uh, New Jersey Devils. And I'm and I'm a sports columnist, man. And I'm doing side work for Fox Sports Net, Rocky Mountain. I was doing some mm -hmm. TV stuff with them, commentary. So my uh, and I don't think I'd started with the uh, theory. Maybe I had Theory Smith uh, the on radio. The legendary Theory you know, Smith. Uh, you know, I, I, I try to tell people, uh, you know, when you, when you get, and I guess it's Martin Luther King day, maybe this is a good day to, to, to bring it up. But when you talk about, uh, African-Americans in media, uh, -huh. uh, you know, and you see the Stephen A. Smiths now and, and, and Michael Wilbons and, 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 and like, everybody's got a little bit of everything, you know, I was doing radio, TV and newspaper back in 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, uh, before a lot of those guys. But 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 a buddy of mine, I had just come back from covering the Olympics in Sydney, uh, uh -huh. October 2000, freaking out because it was the most stressful reporting I'd ever done. Everybody was on steroids. You just had to- Well, that was the Olympics before 9-11, the last Olympics yeah. before 9-11 right. changed everything. Yeah. And when I got back to Denver, I was just like, man, I, I, you know, and then you come right back and you're covering the Broncos and all that stuff. And I just wanted something to relieve some pressure. And a buddy of mine had told me a long time ago that I should try stand-up comedy like 10, 11 years before. And I never paid it attention, but for some reason in the spring of 2001. People thought you were funny, but being funny and, and doing stand-up are two different things. Yeah. yeah, well, the guy that told me perform stand-up. Oh, uh, okay. He actually, so, you know, in his mind, he would know. He, he would he know. He thought I had it. Uh, I used to call his office. We we both worked at the same insurance company, Seth, and I would call his office phone and go, Hey, Daryl, it's Dan Reeves of the Broncos. Uh, we, we had a tough game last week, and certainly we feel like we need a little laughter, and everybody says you're the best in Denver. So why don't you come on over to Dove Valley and uh, make the guys laugh? We'd really appreciate it. And then I'd hang up. And then he'd call me and go, Hey, man. Dan Reeves just called me. I go, did you call him back? He goes, he didn't leave a number. And I'd be like, that's because it was me. <laughs> this is the, this is the 80s. This is the late 80s. Right, I'm right, doing right. Stuff. And that's when he's telling me I should do stand-up. And I didn't pay any attention. So fast forward, 2001, the spring. I think I was in a hotel in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I saw in one of those hotel magazines, their, their nightclub, Charlie Goodnight Comedy Club. And that's where the idea came back. So I called Daryl. He said, look, you want to get on, do comedy works, new talent night. You get two minutes. And uh, and he says, here's the number to call and let me know when you call. Now, when you call comedy works to get on, they don't just put you right on, man. You got to wait six, eight weeks, maybe. But when I confirmed with him that I called, he called them and said, put them on next week. So I didn't have anything. I had to like come up with something like sure, in two days. Sure. And when I got on stage, it was a full house that night. You know, I got on stage and, and I told them, don't introduce me by what I do. Don't say this right, next right. guy, you know him from this or that. I just, I want to be regular. And so they introduced me and it was a full house that night and the people recognized me. Oh. <laughs> I literally was hearing them going, that's the dude, that's the, that's the, that's the dude, that's the dude. And I mean, I blanked. Love it. I couldn't remember what I was going to do. And so that's what I said. I knew this was going to happen. I can't remember anything I was going to say. And then I looked at a lady who was sitting to my right and I just went, I made a face uh, and everybody started laughing. And then I went, no, I'm not kidding. I can't remember anything. How about those avalanche? You know, everybody goes crazy. And that's when I told my first race joke. I said, yeah, leave it to the black guy to bring up hockey. And then I looked at that lady again. Yeah, we're like the puck and me. We're the only, you know. <laughs> Everything just became an exchange between, she had a friendly face. Yep. And so it was comforting. But I still had like a minute and 15 seconds. And I'm thinking, what is it? Because you can only lib so much and that's not my game and then finally it hit me because they give you a light with 30 seconds to go but finally it hit me when i still have like a minute left i go oh yeah so uh what if all these years we've been getting on our knees to pray and god actually has email 
<laughs> you know, and I go into this bit about God has a secretary and she's weeding out. You think your prayer is going to be answered, but that secretary don't like you. You, this, you know, <laughs> delete, delete and all that stuff. And then the light came on. And I was like, that's my time. Thank you. Like, I didn't even, I didn't right. even leave them wanting more. Right. But they, that they, but I got yeah. that. It, it, it's when you hear, when you hear laughs and you hear applause, those are the nice things. Right. Uh, that's what brings, it's like hitting a sweet spot with a, a golf fire, club or yeah you know and that ball flies and that's what brings you back even though the other 78 strokes in that nine hole round <laughs> were terrible <laughs> that one and so the guy that runs the new talent night he came up to me and said how did you like it and I said man it was I was nervous but uh uh I got through it he said do you do you want to go again I said it's a little bit like riding a roller coaster you know, yeah, I was scared, but I, I did. He says, well, when you ride the roller coaster, what do you do at the amusement park? He says, you get off, you want to ride, what do you do? I said, well, usually you have to go back to the back of the line. He goes, exactly. And that's what he told me. Go, If I want to keep doing it, I have to go back to the back of the line and work my way up. And that's... The rest is history. I, to this point, I don't know if I'm at the middle of the line now. <laughs> I don't know if I'm in the front of the line. I don't even know if I'm in the line anymore. But but that's but you're doing you know, it. But you're, once you, you get you're in doing there, it, you got to keep doing it. You're out there. I want to pay off one reference that you made, um, and for this is for for the audience, people who have listened to this podcast since the beginning. Um, I worked with Theory Smith for for a year, and. I was I was fascinated by the guy, but he ended his radio show with a classic song that is the song that I end sports with friends with since the beginning. Really? It's Sly and the Family Stones, If You Want Me to Stay. And I play that song for 400 <laughs> episodes. And wow. it's it, and people have said, Why why that song? And I always say, that's my ode to the, the late great Theory Smith, and I, I this could be the first episode that his name actually gets mentioned, because we've played games on social media like because you never know how many how long people listen to podcasts, and I right. always say what's the song that I end sports with friends with, and it's but I never explained why, and that's the reason it, it is literally. Theory Smith, and he insisted that was his one thing. He would get board ops and he would say, play whatever you want. Play yeah. whatever you want. You know, I prefer this genre, blah, 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 R&B, blah, 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 blah. But he said, but that, so at the end, if you want me to stay. And I, when I said I'm going to own a podcast, that song, that, that's crazy that we do that 400 episodes. Wow. And, you, yeah. and you referenced the guy. And I was like, oh, my God, that... I had to pay that off. And see the people, they, they, they Theory Smith uh, in Denver, local sports radio legend, Theory Smith uh, 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 had MS, multiple sclerosis. Uh, and so when I was doing the show with them, Theory was in his home. It was, it was almost a little bit like, yeah, it was in his home and I'd be in the studio. I'm going to tell you this really quick story. Uh, the NBA All-Star Game is in town. So it's 2005. And uh, Theory and I are doing the show. Now, I, because I was at the newspaper, I'm getting all sorts of press releases about parties. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm getting invited to uh, different, you know, celebrity here, player X, player Y, Nike this, all this stuff right. is going on. And, and I'm getting them because of my position uh, at the paper. They're not sending that stuff to theory. You know, when it, when it, when it came to the radio station, it went to somebody else. Mm. But I'm getting all these invites and I'm telling theory, yeah, man, I'm going to go to this party. Alonzo Mourning and Carmelo Anthony are doing a billiards tournament and the guest list. And it, it has all these names of all these stars that are, aren't just basketball. They're movie stars. So one of them was Vivica A. Fox, the actress. And uh, this is before she started doing this commercial with Ice T. Now telling you that uh, you need to get your cars. Uh, sure. <laughs> but you know, at that time, she you know, Will Smith. She was she was she was bad. Still is, but she was bad. And uh, I told Theory, I said, "Man, I'm gonna get her on the show." And Theory, you know what Theory was? 
oof. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, that's, you, know what I'm <laughs> you hadn't heard anybody say oof in a long time, had you? There's a human being I know that actually used that word, oof. Oh my <laughs> so God. I went to the party. Gary Smith and Sandy Clough are my inspirations in radio. Continue. Yeah. I went to the party. And I uh, and, and and I was on a list. I didn't know. I thought I was like at the media list. Oh, I was on awesome. like walk the red carpet oh, list. That's I awesome. as they had me as me and Kevin Frazier yeah. walked up and walked the red carpet together. And I met Kevin through Fox Sports Net Rocky Mountain. Sure. So we catching up from playing golf earlier in the year. So we're walking the red carpet and we get to the end of the red carpet and uh uh, the late Penny Parker was doing the gossip column for our paper. And she uh -huh. sees me on the record. She's, what are you doing up there? And I was like, hey, you got any questions? Because if you don't have any questions, I don't have any. <laughs> yeah, let's go. You know, so I'm playing it big time. I get inside. I'm looking around. I see all these people. And I look up. And this was uh, the, the brewery that John Hickenlooper owned, Wincoop Brewery. It was all going down there. And yeah. there's a upstairs. And then upstairs, I see Vivica Fox sitting on a sofa talking to a couple. And I looked up and I'm like, about to happen right here. It's about to happen. I got the wristband that can get me up there. Yep, I'm yep. telling these guys that I'm talking to, I'm about to go up there and talk to Vivica. And they're like, man, you can't get up there. I'm like, watch this. I get up there and those people leave that she's talking to. And yep. I pop myself right down and I go, hey, Vivica, my name is Sam Adams. Uh, I'm actually a writer with the Rocky Mountain News, but I was invited and um, uh, I just wanted to meet you and, and, you know, maybe if I can get a few, I had my recorder, nobody oh. knew I had my recorder. Yeah. So, and I said, I'm just going to put my recorder right here if that's cool. And she told me the best story about her dad taking her to Pacer games back in the day. I guess she grew up in Indianapolis and for Christmas, the Pacers gave her courtside seats just that past Christmas. So she got to take her dad to the game. They used to sit way up top and she got to bring them all the way down. It was a great story. And so, uh, and at one point, <laughs> at one point she spoke and just a little bit, just teensy bit of saliva got oh, on my hand. Oh, okay. She grabbed my hand and she's doing it like, 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 <laughs> and I'm looking around like, y'all see this? She's grabbing my hand. Like, like, why are my why why is my entire high school not here right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff went on in that moment. And uh so <laughs> so I, I asked her, I said, Hey, um, I do a radio show in the mornings. Can we have you on? And she was like, sure. She was so cordial. And she told me where she was staying at. She called me the room number. We agreed on the call at like 940. Uh, and so I didn't tell theory. I came in the studio the next day. I didn't tell theory. We had Vivica. <laughs> and then I had the producer call that number, that number at the hotel. And I said, it's going to be Vivica Fox. And he's just like, get out of it. I was like, dude, it's going to be her. So she answers, she comes on the air and I go, theory, I know you usually introduce our guest, but I'm going to introduce our guest today. Our guest is an uh, actress who is just uh, one of the greatest, you know, I gave her the big build up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please welcome Vivica A. Fox. And uh, she's all cool. Hey, 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 hey. You know, she's all bubbly. Yeah. And so I go, Vivica, why don't you tell our listeners the story you told me last night when we were on the sofa together? <laughs> <laughs> and theory she had a told, heart attack right then and, and there. She told the story. She told the story. And so the way we had to do things, because theory, because of his condition, and we're not in the studio together, right. it was, you ask a question, he yeah, asks yeah, yeah. and vice versa. So now it's theory's turn. And theory goes, oof, you said you were going to get her, man. I don't know how you <laughs> get it. And I'm like, no, don't, you know, because now it looks like I set her up. Right now it's not cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And her whole attitude just flipped from that moment. And she was like, didn't want to have anything to do with us. Like we literally had to end that interview like in three more minutes because she just didn't, like now, she thought I used her, you know, tricked her. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, oh, I told Theory, I said, man, I will never forgive you. Like, I wouldn't, I didn't even want to do the show with him for the rest of the week. <laughs> Every time it bounced back to me, I'd be like, whatever. That was my answer, whatever. <laughs> you know, I just didn't want to talk to him. He finally called me up and apologized. I didn't mean to mess up your game, man. <laughs>
I was like, I was going to take her to a concert. I had her theory. So <laughs> but he was a great guy. He was a great guy. Great and, human uh, being. That's a legendary talk show host. That's, that's, yeah. that's a great story. A couple months ago, we had uh, Jerry Schimmel on the show. Uh, and he uh, and I got into a, a discussion. And if you, you know, you, you do get permission because this is not live. You can punt if you, if you like. Um, Nikola Jokic is, as you say, this, this human highlight film. He's clearly the best, if not one of the best players in the league. But he's not the face of the league. No. He's, he, he's, not, he, he's not spoken of in the same breath as Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan and LeBron James. He's, he's, he's a different player now he he plays a different position that there's there's all that but i i i cornered uh jerry schimmel and just said why is it that people in denver know how great he is but it seems like if you were to ask a, a random 13 year old kid who's an nba fan who's the best player he's probably fourth or fifth and that doesn't seem right now i don't watch it enough to have an opinion why do you think? Where do you see him? Well, I what I th- what I think. No, no, I mean, like where? When, what when, what I think you, is there's a who, stigma who, and it's stereotype and it's the ugliest part of society. And he is a European white guy, and not an American black dude. And that's that's why. And if he was darker skinned, he'd be the face. Of, the Joker would be the face of the league. I I feel like, and 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 it's because uh, he's uh, European. Uh, they don't know how to market him the same. You can get Michael Jordan to sell shoes and McDonald's and soda. You can get Magic Johnson to sell Converse and uh, the the products that he sold. Uh, you can get LeBron to do Sprite and all that stuff. You can. That's you know. That's one way you are seen by those 13-year-olds. They see you and come, you know, if if Joker started doing some of these national commercials with Peyton Manning, all of a sudden you see more of them. And that's is that his choice? Is that his choice? Is that I, I, they I don't, don't market they, him because they have a, a I don't know if he's turning him? those down or they just don't know what product it I kind of and 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 and, and uh, you know, like my last 10 years in sports media was strictly Football. that one show, the Broncos gang day live. Uh, I wasn't like a reporter. I wasn't doing what I was doing. 10, right. 15 so you didn't, years. you didn't, when, uh, when I would be in the nuggets, see him in the locker room and yeah, talk I to him. locker room one day and the nuggets and then the avalanche the next day, it, it wasn't going down like that. But if I were, doing that that's what i would ask hey man what what opportunities are you being presented and are you trying because a part of me feels like he doesn't care for that stuff you know you think about it when they won the championship he he wanted to go back to his he didn't want to stay for the parade yeah and, and, and before winning the championship in years past as soon as the season's over he's gone uh but he i mean why isn't there a uh, a McDonald's triple double burger. Why isn't there a, you know, <laughs> you know, why isn't there some products uh, that he can sell? He doesn't have to say a lot of lines, but I'm not seeing him uh, promote it the way I see LeBron selling Lay's potato chips and Sprite. And all. You, you see their faces. They're 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 holding up a product. And I don't see that happen. I think, I think he's a funny dude. If you watch the interviews and stuff that he does, he he's come out of his shell, and he's a funny guy. Uh, I, I'll give you a name. You're a baseball guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> this was this was the the spring leading into '73. Okay. Not the year, but the number of home runs. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, was mean, at, I was at that. I remember well, seeing you at that. I was, I was, I was, at, uh, uh, I was, I was out there at Scottsdale, and I went up to Barry Bonds, and I and I said, "Hey, man, uh, we have a mutual friend in Denver, and 
uh, I told him I was going to try to get an interview. Like the, the Giants PR was like, hey, man. Yeah, good luck. Right. Good luck. Yep. And uh, when I told uh, Barry uh, the name of our mutual friend, he was just like, okay, okay, I'll do it. And I was like, okay, what, what, you know, like, give me a time. Give me, you know, I said, just be here tomorrow morning. (laughs) So it's 630 in the morning. I'm sitting in the parking lot there at Scottsdale Stadium, eating an egg McMuffin and drinking orange juice, just waiting to see Barry Bonds pull up. And when he does, I tail him for, I'm just in the clubhouse for like two hours before he finally says, sit down. Gives me a 45 minute interview. Oh, good. Uh, But reason why I bring that up and I'm talking about Jokic is not to compare the two. Uh, but after that, when Barry would come to Denver for games, I actually would hang out at restaurants a couple of times with them. And I got to see the Barry Bonds that will crack you up. I mean, the dude's just funny telling stories about his family. His dad was passing away. His dad was dying that day at the time and, and, and he was um you know uh it had to be tough for him but we would sit in the back of these clubs and he'd just tell stories and be cracking up and one day I said look man why don't you let the media see this I was like your agent should have you hosting Saturday Night Live because it was that funny uh-huh. and he's like man I don't, I don't have anything to do with that stuff he, he didn't want to do it uh I wonder if Yoke it just doesn't want to do these things. And, and that's the difference from the 13-year-old kid in wherever who doesn't really know him because he doesn't see him. You know, it's bad enough here in Denver. If, if you have cable, you can't even see the Nuggets play. <laughs> they, they still yeah. haven't worked the whole thing out. Yeah, that's a whole, that's but, a whole but my thing. point is, I mean, I, I understand what you're talking about. Uh, but I think if you started seeing Nikola Jokic doing just, just get out there more and he'd be received differently. He would be received differently. I, I don't know why Peyton Manning hasn't come up with something to do with him. I don't know. Because Peyton sells everything. If I see another Hawaiian roll commercial with Peyton Manning, <laughs> like, dude, okay, I was eating Hawaiian rolls. I don't need you to sell me Hawaiian rolls. I I I can eat them all by myself. I'm just saying, the two are here in town. They should be able to come up with something that would run on Super Bowl Sunday where Jokic gets to throw the punchlines and people go, oh, man, oh, that's that too. Yeah. That's just my opinion. No, no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, In closing, because I could do this all day. Um looking back at your sports career whether it's the tv recently the the writing uh whatever whatever it is is there one player event moment that you will go and say this was either the most fun i ever had or the best work i ever did uh to, the best work I ever did was during the 2000 Olympics. Awesome. I was not supposed to be a part of the coverage, but there was a gentleman who I won't say his name, but he used to write for the Rocky Mountain News, and uh, and it's not Adam Schefter. Uh, he used to write for the Rocky Mountain News, and then he took all of his stuff just a couple weeks before the start of the Olympics. He was the main Olympic writer. And he took all the stuff and went over to the Denver Post. Literally jacked the news. Just all the stories that he had accumulated for the preview sections and all that stuff, just just, just up and left. And uh, and they decided that they were going to send me in his place to cover track and field. They called me in the office at noon. I thought I was getting fired. (laughs) I go into Barry Forbes' office and the editor of the paper is with him, John Temple. And I'm like, oh man, I'm I'm getting <laughs> it's lunchtime. Nobody's in the newsroom. I'm I'm about to get fired. I don't know what I wrote, but I'm about to get fired. So and then the I first do? thing they 
right. first thing they say is, do you have a passport? And I'm like, they send you out of the country when they fire you? Oh my God, you know, like, you know, like I was literally scared and I come to find out they were sending me to Sydney, Australia. And I had a bunch of stuff I had to do. I had to go to LA, uh, San Diego to interview Tommy Lasorda and the baseball team. And I I'd do a lot of stuff in a short period of time and then go to Sydney. And uh, that was the Olympics, like I said, where a lot of people oh. were under suspicion for steroids and all that stuff. And uh, and it was stressful because every day I had to come up with three, four stories and the time difference, the 15 hour time difference. It was just a lot. But I saw some great performances that was and, and I did. I don't like brag, but I did great work. I have emails from That's editors great. telling me, you know, I broke a couple of stories while I was over there. So uh, that I'm glad I asked great for me. But uh, being in San Diego when the Broncos won oh, that. Super Bowl 32. I was there. You're, I was talking there. About a, you're talking about a guy who grew up in Cleveland, was a big Browns fan. I did not like John Elway. Uh, when I got put on the beat to cover the Broncos, uh, I I was just like, you know, y'all better keep an eye on me because I might throw a rock at him. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I, 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 I had a football sports hate, not a personal hate, but a football hate for John Elway and now I have to cover him <laughs> and uh we had a moment where and this was like 93 uh the Browns and the Broncos are playing in Cleveland and the Friday before the game John and I were the only ones in the locker room and I tried to be all badass I was like hey man my mother don't like you my sisters don't like you my cousins don't like you my friends don't like you and i'm just gonna be honest with you bro i don't really like you either and he's just looking at me like what are you talking about and i said man i'm from cleveland and i might have done this after i said it i don't know i might have i might have and, and, and he goes he goes you were born in cleveland and i'm like yeah he goes well i'm sorry that happened to you and it was not the way i thought it was gonna go we were the only ones in the locker room two days three days later they play they beat the browns they always do we're in the locker room, circle of reporters around John. He's buttoning up his shirt, and they're asking him about the game. And all of a sudden, I go, hey, man, you happy about this? And he goes, yeah, well, I knew you were a native here. I did it for your mom, your sisters, your cousins, your friends, you know. And nobody knew what that was about except for me and him. <laughs> and, uh, there's there's a dude in Cleveland named Tony Grossi, been covering the Browns for a long time. He writes for the Plain Dealer. And uh, he looks at me, he goes, did he just talk about your mother like that? <laughs> and John and I are laughing because we know what happened. And from that moment on, he said, I literally started looking at that dude different. Like, like my mindset was, he wants to beat you so bad. He doesn't care if he hurts your mother's feelings. You know, like, like he doesn't care. He just wants to win. And it made it different for me to watch him wins and losses the way he competes. Uh, I judge watching, especially football, uh, the players that I watch uh, on how they compete, how bad do you want it? And yeah. I got that from watching that dude. So then to see him hold up that trophy and, and, and I was there and I got a picture of us just sitting. Uh, I got my notepad. I'm asking him questions. And uh, this is after they won the game and the madness has died down in the locker room. And he's, his son, John is, sitting next to him and I'm on the other side. Look at you, man. Is that the, the parade? That was or at the, the, the when they stadium? beat Pittsburgh to go oh, to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Why well, I, I uh that was from the Rocky Mountain News and someone mm -hmm. from the Rocky Mountain News uh sent me the negative and I framed that picture. Well I got one frame up here. Uh he signed uh, a sports illustrated uh, that awesome. Rick Riley wrote a story uh, called an appreciation and John's on the cover escaping the grasp of a Cleveland Brown player <laughs> and John's like hey to Sam sorry about your Browns <laughs> but when I was uh when I was uh, uh voted to the uh Denver Press Club Hall of Fame uh-huh he gave a, the speech there's a there's a no he, he he didn't come I gave the longest speech in the history of speeches by the way uh, but you can see the picture. There's an action shot. Uh -huh. shot. That's John. He sent that and he signed it. Congratulations on making oh, that's the whole awesome. Pretty cool of him. Very and, cool. 
Yeah, we we you know we went from being adversaries uh, from Cleveland and Denver and uh, media and athlete to him writing in my book a little tribute saying uh, I trusted he trusted me and um, you know appreciated me you know you know just kind of cool I never thought it was going to go down that way. How can people find out about uh, stand-up gigs that you have? You know, who knows when they're going to listen to this podcast. So uh, yeah. just. <laughs> I just appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, Sam Adams does comedy.com. There you go. Uh, I mean, I'm not the uh, uh, traveling guy that does like a bunch of comedy clubs across the country. I do a lot of corporate stuff and, uh, uh, but I do my share of comedy. Uh, clubs and now I can do more because I gave up uh, right. the, the morning gig so I can do Saturday night and uh, so I'm well, looking Sam I, seriously I, I, I was such an admirer back in the day and I love through social media we've been able to keep in touch and follow all your, your exploits and stuff like that and when you made that announcement on the TV show I said gotta do this podcast This it's long overdue and well, uh, I you. appreciate I don't, you. Doing I, don't, I don't get invited to a lot of them, man. I, oh. I, I've been uh, watching other people do podcasts, and uh, I give I give Shannon a little grief. I was like, um, "What do I have to do? Do I have to be Cat Williams to be on a podcast?" <laughs> I've seen you grow, and it's been amazing to see. You got gray hair now. Uh, <laughs> That's right. We didn't know. Yeah. It's like all these people I'm seeing that when I was in my mid 30s, and I'm like, man, we are still around. It's a new century, and we're a quarter of the way through that century, and we're still kicking. So uh, good to see you doing it, man. That is the great Sam Adams. Sam Adams does comedy. And you are listening right now to the closing music of the podcast. It has been since the very beginning. Sly and the Family Stones, If You Want Me to Stay. It feels great to listen to the song. And as you heard in the podcast, it was the great, iconic talk show host, Theory Smith, that played that at the end of his radio show. And this was my homage to him. It was so silent and so personal. And even people who are on social media that talked about the music and said they loved the song never knew the story behind it. And Theory Smith was the reason. Sam Adams tells that story absolutely brilliantly. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to to stay I got to be me you'll never be in doubt that's what it's all about you can't take me for granted and smile come on please I'm gone forget reaching my phone because I promise I'll be gone for a while